According to a professor of psychology, professor of psychology at Whittier College, Whittier College where my son Aaron attended, people can grow. As evidence of this, he pointed to the fact that the new law, you know, the new cell phone law that says that you can't drive your car and talk on the cell phone at the same time, or at least drive in your car and hold your cell phone to the ear at same, the same time. You've been, you're familiar with that law? How many of you violated it on the way to church? <laughs> the professor was asked to comment on the fact that really in the early months of the law, and it's only been in place since July, at least in Southern California, there have been relatively few arrests, and even there were less arrests in weeks three and four and five and six than in weeks one and two. And the professor was asked to comment on this, and he said, well, you know, people do learn. And he said, they actually, their learning goes through several levels. At the first level, People are primarily concerned about rewards and costs. In particularly, will they get caught? Like people who use radar detectors to avoid a ticket while speeding. So the first level of reasoning is, I don't want to get caught with this cell phone. I won't use it. But after a period of time, we grow and we move to a second level of reasoning. At a second level, people are concerned about their reputation and being a good citizen. They obey the law because it is the law. So the first concern is, I don't want to get cut, caught, I don't want to pay the fine. The second concern is, well, I would like to be a good member of this community, of society. And the law says no cell phone, and you know, I am going to do my part to make sure that we live in a safe world. And then, if we are brave enough, progressive enough, we can move to the third level. In the third level, the third stage, people are concerned about values. They obey the law because they feel it is safer for themselves and for others. No longer do we not pick up the cell phone because we don't want to get stopped and see the red lights in our rearview mirror and pay the it's not a terrible fine. I think it's $25 or something like that. And no longer do we use the, not use the cell phone simply because we respect the law. But we reach the point that we reason morally. You know, it's not safe for me to be distracted while driving this vehicle at 95 miles an hour. Don't challenge my right to go 95 now. <laughs> Another level of moral reasoning altogether. But I recognize that it's not safe and I really need to pay attention to the task at hand I need to drive for my own safety and for the safety of those with whom I share the road. We have the capacity to grow. We have the capacity to move from simple punishment and reward to moral reasoning. People can do that. 
I'd like to think that over the pages of Joshua's story, Joshua and the people grew. That they had and earned a tremendous legacy. When Joshua, the story of Joshua begins, Joshua is referred to as Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of Moses. And when the story ends, Joshua is referred to as Joshua, son of Nun, servant of the Lord. That indicates a tremendous growth in Joshua from a frightened young leader to one who is able to think about the demands of justice, think about the demands of faith, bring to bear the concerns of God and the world in which he lived. He was no longer concerned simply about blessings and curses, punishment and reward, concerned about the well-being of the people, about his people being blessing to all the world. Joshua, son of Nun, servant of the Lord. Servant of the Lord, a title previously reserved only for Moses. Joshua grew. Oh, what a tremendous change there was over the pages of Joshua. When the book of Joshua began, the people were on the east of the Jordan. They'd been wandering in the wilderness, and they had no place to call home. When the story of Joshua ends, Joshua is buried after 110 years of life, and in Egyptian mythology, 110 is the perfect life, a well-lived life, the complete age. It's interesting that both Joshua and Joseph are die at age 110. Joshua dies and is buried in his own land, in his own inheritance. Oh, what a tremendous change from a pilgrim people to a people that have a home, a land from which they can bless the world. Joshua and the people grew as we can grow. And they left us a tremendous legacy. Now, legacy is an interesting word, interesting title, interesting name. I'd like to talk more to, to Paige. Paige's oldest son, Wesley, when he became an adult, chose the name Legacy. Very important, very interesting. And Wesley doesn't do anything, or legacy doesn't do anything without thinking about it. So that's very significant. And a legacy is a gift from one generation to another. The words legacy, ligament, and religion all have the same root word. You know, a ligament, what it functions in the body to, to bind muscle and bone together. And religion comes from the same reward. Religion is a binding of a people to each other and to God. And legacy is a binding too. It's a binding of one generation to another. 
Joshua left us a tremendous legacy. The people left us a tremendous legacy, a legacy of growth. We grew, we grew, you can grow too, would be one of their challenges to us. We were faithful, you can be faithful too. That would probably be their central challenge to us. Our legacy is that of fidelity, faithfulness to God. Now, that faithfulness entails learning and growth and facing new situations. Faithfulness is never an embrace of certainty. It's moving forward when great uncertainty exists. Recall again the story of Joshua. When it began, they were on the east of Jordan, and they were getting ready to move into the land. God promised that God would be with them. And the first thing Joshua did, if you'll remember, is he sent some spies out. Spies to Jericho, and in Jericho they were befriended by Rahab the harlot. And there must have been questions in their mind. Can we trust Rahab? And there must have been an element of risk. And the answer wouldn't be given until a few chapters later when they had crossed the river and they were ready to circle the city of Jericho, hoping that the walls would fall. But they had to move forward in faith, not in certainty. Can Rahab be trusted? We hope so, but we really don't know until we try. They had to cross the River Jordan a formidable obstacle. Can that river be crossed? I don't know. God has led us across the waters before. And their question wasn't answered until when? Until one of the priests put his foot in the river. And it was then and only then that the waters parted and they walked through on dry land. Will those waters part? We don't know. We won't know until someone puts their foot in the water. There's a big difference between faith and certainty. Again, when, we came, when they came to the walls, even before we get to the walls, they came and they celebrated the first Passover in Jericho. And they were still living, they were still living off the manna from heaven. But as the first Passover ended, the question came to them, how will we survive? How will we live? How will we eat when the manna from heaven stops? Will we still have enough food? And they didn't know for sure until the day after the Passover when they started living off the food that the land produced. Faith, we think so, but we don't know until the manna stops. Not certainty. They came to the walls of Jericho. Again, by the time they got there, the walls in many were very old and battered in many ways, but still formidable. And those walls had to come down. Will they tumble? Will they tumble simply at our shout? We don't know. We won't know until we move forward in faith. We won't know until we 
try. We won't know until we trust. We won't know until we actually see, are we growing here? The legacy of Joshua and Josh's people was that of fidelity, but faith and fidelity is not certainty. It's moving forward in the face of considerable questions, considerable uncertainty, considerable doubt, considerable risk. It's moving forward with God towards justice, moving forward patiently and hopefully. 110 years Joshua lived, what, 70 of those leading the people, leading the people in the face of risk, leading the people in the face of question, leading the people in the face of uncertainty. That sort of leadership is a leadership of great patience. It's a commitment not to give up. Some of us have been reading A Long Way Gone by Samuel Baya. He was a young man in the country of Sierra Leone. And at about age 12, a civil war began in his country. And he was forced out of his village, and for over a year, he and a band of boys just moved from village and village on the run, never knowing how they would survive. Inevitably, they were captured by troops representing the government. Two sides were basically the government and the rebels, both equally committed to slaughtering each other. They were forced to become part of the government troops, and they became literally killing machines. High on coke, high on other drugs, fed a steady diet of Rambo movies, learning to dehumanize their foes, they moved from village to village, slaughtering. 13, 14, 15 years old. Inevitably, a United Nations committee intervened, captured some of these boys from both sides, and that took them to a, a camp in the capital of Freetown. And they made a mistake of putting both rebels and government troops together. War broke out in this, this camp. But inevitably, order was restored. The young men were encouraged to talk and tell their stories. They pursued education. They were given counseling. They got sick of hearing the phrase when they acted out, it's okay, it's not your fault. But Bea said, it's as if the people had made a pact not to give up on us. That we could be brought back to humanity. That we could grow, change, improve. The legacy of Joshua and Joshua's people is that of fidelity. That we move forward in the faith of face of uncertainty. That we move forward with a patient, persistent trust in God. That God will not give up on us. 
and that we in turn will not give up on our fellow human beings. And Joshua and the people, the final part of their legacy is that they were open to God's surprises. Rahab could be trusted. There was food when the manna stopped. The walls did fall when the trumpet sounded and the people shouted. And when there was the need for time in the face of a great struggle, God gave an unexpected amount of time. You remember the story where the sun stood still. The God we serve is a God of mercy and a God of wonderful surprises. Stephen A. Smith is a sports commentator, columnist. He's on ESPN writes a regular column in ESPN magazine. And before the recent Olympics, he wrote an article about John, uh, John Carlos and Tommy Smith. Remember Carlos and Smith in 1968, 200 meters, gold medal, silver medal winner. And when they were given their medals at the, on the podium at the Mexico City Olympics when the national anthem played. They each took a black glove, put it on their hands, bowed their heads, and raised their hands in the symbol of solidarity, of black power. A tremendous statement in 1968. There's a statue now at San Jose State University where both Smith and Carlos passed through commemorating that important event on the world stage, that singular act of courage. In this article, Smith interviewed Harry Edwards, professor at UC, who had been instrumental in preparing Smith and Carlos for that event. Remember, no one saw Martin Luther King coming, Edwards says. He was a young second-level preacher no one saw Malcolm X coming out of prison, and nobody saw Tommy Smith, John Carlos, and Harry Edwards coming out of San Jose State. I'm convinced that irrespective of what we see from a social and political standpoint relative to this generation of young people, there's somebody out there we simply don't see coming. I don't think we are wise enough or visionary enough to say that this generation is lost or that this generation can't get it done. We have to keep the faith. Legacy. Joshua's legacy, the people's legacy throughout the story of Joshua is a legacy of fidelity. Faith in the face of uncertainty. Moving forward when not all the questions have been answered. Patience refusing to give up on the people of this community or the people of this world because God doesn't give up on us. And hope. Hope ultimately in God's surprises. There are people, there are leaders, there are factors, there are forces out there that will rise to the occasion and surprise us. We never quite know what God is up to. If Joshua had been asked, at age 110. Did you really expect? Did you really expect that Rahab would help you? 
Did you really expect that the waters would part? Did you really expect that the food would be there even when the manna ran out? Did you really expect the walls to come down? Did you really expect the sun to stand still? Joshua probably would have answered in all honesty, no, I didn't see it coming. But I'm grateful. I'm grateful. I've changed and I've grown. Good friends, we are part of a tremendous legacy. Faith, patience, hope. And we can grow. We can do better with using our cell phones. And we can do even better as members of this community, worshiping, serving, trusting. Our legacy, our legacy is that of moving forward even when all the questions aren't answered. Our legacy is that of patience and of hope, of being willing to be surprised. Surprised by what, by what God will do in our midst next. Let's make that our legacy this homecoming Sunday, 2008. Amen.